Parkmans. Today we will be talking about LGBTQ plus rights in Newman. Um, today I'll be talking with my favorite panelists, Sophia. Hi. Anna. Hi. And last but not least, Claire. Hi. I'm gonna Okay. So basically, Yemen is a very conservative and Muslim state. Um, and currently there are a set of laws called the Penal Code that basically outlaws any sort of any people being openly gay. Um Yemen has also um, also has terrible women's rights and was actually voted last on a list of 192 nations. Um, and right now, Yemen, there's also a civil war going on, which has caused a huge famine that the UN has said is one of the biggest famines in the history of people so far. Well, in recorded history of people. So, basically, we're talking about how do these anti-LGBTQ plus laws in the Middle East and in Yemen really affect the people living there. And not just the people of the LGBT community, obviously, but also people who don't identify with them. And how that also, you know, it affects everyone. Yes. Okay, so first question, why should governments be involved in private romantic relations of their citizens? Um, well, I think that they shouldn't, because, for example, in the past, during the civil rights movement in America, um, the government wouldn't let African-American and Caucasian people be in relationships with each other. And by creating laws like this, people were more likely to want to rebel and break the rules. Um, and in an article from Lab Roots, it states that when you tell someone not to do something, are they going to listen or are they more motivated than ever to do it. Science should say, science would say that the latter is more likely because people like to be in control of their own lives. Yes. Um, going off what Anna said, there is a lot of controversy when it comes to this topic because someone argued, yes, that the government should involve due to tax deductions and specific advantages in government related topics when it comes to having the government involved in marriage. However, some would say no, because the government shouldn't be allowed to have a confirmation over whether one's love is affirmed or not. But the issue tends to become more intense when the topic is switched to same-sex marriages. Um, an article from the National Review reads that, contrary to what some say, there is no ban on same-sex marriage. Nothing about it is illegal in all 50 states. Two people of the same sex may choose to live together, choose to join a religious community that blesses their relationship, and choose a workplace offering joint benefits. There is nothing illegal about this. But um, America has become so advanced, and you know they are one of the world powers that um, that all these governments, all these other states, countries, governments that they've just fallen so far behind on the spectrum. Like, if we look at Yemen, you know, they have fam they have famine. They're going through a humanitarian crisis. Um, they're kind of going through, like, a government identity crisis, you could say. And so it's just, there's so many things that these governments need to catch up on before they can even begin to accept LGBTQ rights. So it's just, it's such a hard thing to decide because it depends on where your country is. Yeah. I agree with Sophia, and I'd like to add on the fact that it also comes as a disadvantage to the government in Yemen to accept liberal LGBTQ ideas because Yemen is a very conservative country. And 
it could risk losing the government could risk losing power over the people if they allowed it to become less conservative. And I think that kind of relates to how um, in the Stalin era of the era of the Soviet Union, he didn't educate his people or let them know about things. And that was in order to stay in power, just how the people of Yemen aren't technically really educated on what being part of the LGBTQ plus community may mean. And also, also why they can, they're actually not a threat to their country. Yeah. Kind of going back to what Sophia said, it's, you know, not only like the government has to catch up with the United States or like Europe with this acceptance, it's also the society, the people who are actually living in Yemen, because I mean, the government has created so much control over it and has created so, I mean, like, just so many, like, people aren't educated about it. In America, and, like, even the government is pretty much accepting, except for a few officials, but they haven't really put any power into that. But basically, I mean, there's still almost, like, a thousand hate crimes that were committed in 2017 against people because of their sexual orientation or their gender identity, which, I mean, shows that, like, even after the government becomes accepting and starts putting in these laws, it's still, like, there's still those people who immediately, like, hate them. But the thing is, in Yemen, it's, like, almost everyone. Yeah, like, well, it is based on both society and government, but the government tends to be what divides society. Like, in America, you either have Democratic or you have Republican. And, you know, it just, it creates, there's so many underlying aspects to these arguments. Like, um, but as a survey on the Washington Post said that approximately 79% of Americans say that support same-sex couples as of 2018. However, as President Trump has made his stance on gay rights, more people seem to be pulling away from supporting the LGBTQ community. So while we have, in America alone, we haven't outlawed gay rights, um, it's just having a, pol- a person of high political power making their stance on gay rights obvious can tend to shift the way society focuses on these. I kind of um, agree with Sophia, and I think the way that can relate to Yemen also is that in a higher extent, Yemen has the same type of issue because from an article called um, from IPS News called No Place for Gays in Yemen, it's it says it's not easy being a gay in Yemen. The country's conservative society has no place for him in the midst, and the law seems homosexuality as a crime punishable by death, while extremists take things in their own hands, killing homosexual men. So it's not just the government reinforcing these policies. It's the society that's built around them that's a big issue. Because even if you change the laws, you can't change the people's ideas, which is also happening in the United States. Because there, as Kendall said, as Kendall said, there are still hate crimes and things like that in the United States, regardless of whether being LGBTQ is illegal or not. Right. Um, I think that kind of leads into one of our other questions, which is why is representation in the media and the government important, which actually there's an article that says basically Samuel came into office and he was openly gay, one of the first openly gay people to be in government in the in America. And basically he advocated for everyone in the LGBTQ plus community to start coming out and start telling their friends and family that, hey, like I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community. And then basically every like the surveys of like if people uh, were accepting of the LGBTQ plus community just increased by so much because people started to realize that like everyone's around, like you know, a lot of people 
around them. And then also, like, people who maybe didn't know people had Harvey Milk, who's, like, doing all this change and doing some really good stuff there. And, you know, obviously, it's, like, it kind of deteriorates stereotypes. It's people start to see, you know, LGBT people less as, like, like these stereotypes that they've been fed, and instead, like, these real-life people that they know and, like, have, like love or like, you know? Um, kind of adding on to that, out of all of the 54 countries in Africa, South Africa is actually the only one that has um, political office holders within the LGBTQ plus community. And um, also out of Asia's 48 countries, there are only seven. So this kind of goes to show the discrimination in um, politics in all of um, Africa, Asia, and then in Europe and the Americas. It's not so much, but it's still there in some places. Um, but... Um, in the U.S. Congress, the representatives are mostly made up of white, wealthy, heterosexual men. And in addition, almost every organization that has been created in the U.S. is also led by a white, heterosexual man. Um, however, the issue is, like, if they're tasked with making decisions about people who they can't even relate to, how, I mean, how are they supposed to know what's best for all of these different groups and different identifications? And the answer is they don't. I believe that it's kind of a double-edged sword with representation in the media and governments. Because like Sophia said, it is important that the governments have representation that correlates to their people. And I agree with that. And I agree that like in the media, we can give more exposure to the community and also educate people about like TQ plus community and have them learn about it. And like, why it's important that we support these people. But on the other hand, you also have, like, organizations that can also spread anti-LGBTQ plus publicity. Like, I found this um, article from the SPL- SPLC, the Southern, Poverty, the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it says, with help from the panel of pseudoscientific anti-LGBT experts, the White House issued a memo in March seeking ban of trans troops in the military. So while having exposure and things is benefit, we can't always hope that the internet's going to give the LGBTQ plus community everything that they need because it's also going to give out false information or anti-LGBTQ information. And also we have to consider that in Yemen, there's lots of web filters and they probably can't see anything correlating to LGBTQ plus community online that isn't anti. Yeah. Like Claire said, (laughs) basically the government, they censor every, like anything that could be seen as anti-LGBTQ plus. Like, you mean pro. Pro. Uh, Let me say that again. Let me say that again. Okay. (laughs) So the government censors like anything that is expressing support of the LGBTQ plus community. And... (laughs) People may not Please. even know. Pick up. People may not even know like what it's like to be LGBTQ plus like at all. Like not even have like false stereotypes maybe because they can't even see like anything. And basic, there is one report that said that they took every online activity of the people living in Yemen, and only eight reports were like have to do anything with the LGBTQ plus community, and like seven of them were. 
like expressing support against it, and then only one was like expressing support for the community. Oh, and that kind of like that's horrible because these people are in the LGBTQ plus community, and I'm sure that some of these people don't even know about the rainbow flag or anything because they don't have access to that. Yeah, and um, also we have to keep in mind that representation leaves the representer and others to use that to their advantage in ways that, you know, shouldn't be done. For example, like a little, like a little while ago, um, J.K. Rowling, Rowling, J.K. Rowling, um, said that Dumbledore was gay, and, you know, a lot of people react to it was this, you know, Harry Potter is a very popular book, a very popular series, and so it almost seems like J.K. Rowling was just trying to get more publicity in a different way by claiming that one of her characters was a part of the LGBTQ community, which it's unfortunate because that's not how it should be done, that's not how publicity should work it's an issue like it should be jk rowling has should be able to get enough publicity by just having her characters personalities you know being present and being enjoyable by the reader so to come out with something like this like after all these books have been published it kind of seemed a little questionable to all harry potter fans and even non-harry potter fans um now, but that doesn't mean, like, if you have a gay character in a book or a movie or media in general, that that is wrong. It just, it's it becomes controversial because she came out with this information after, all you know, all of her success had taken off. Well, it was kind of, like, less about representation, more about just press coverage, you know, like, more viewers and, like, more people reading her books just to kind of see, like, oh, hey, like, is this actually could this actually be feasible by the way she wrote this book and that's kind of where you get it like into trouble there when you kind of do you put in these characters who are just kind of like one-sided people who like are representing other people rather than like white or straight or cisgender but like a lot of times the reason why like this representation doesn't work it's because of people just make these, like, the one thing about them, just so that way they can say, hey, we have this character, like, we're diverse. Okay, so going back to the question of why representation of minority groups in the media is important, well, um, like, celebrities like Ellen DeGeneres and George Michael, they... Celebrities like Ellen DeGeneres and George Michael came out after they'd already became famous which um affected their careers and um eventually like helped them or didn't help them but eventually um like made them more made them yeah made them even more famous but like um when George Michael came out he had been like a heartthrob like a girl heartthrob and then he um lost a lot of publicity when he came out as gay because you know he girls are in love with him and 
It seems to either He's help up. them by making them more relatable to a wider spectrum of people, mm. or it hurts them by making a smaller spectrum, um, you know, disappointed that, not, well, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but, like, upset as to their choices in coming out. So, it may, it may honestly have nothing to do with the fact that they are gay or that they are a part of the LGBTQ plus community. It's just maybe the fact that bothers so many people is the choices they made in deciding when to come out and how to come out. Yeah. But I think there's also some nicer representations of things that relate to like LGBTQ plus um, movements and things like that. Like the Me Too movement where like everything, like the media was spread out about how people can talk about like their stories of assault or harassment and it's okay to come out about that. And that was all across the media. And I think that the LGBTQ community needs to go through a similar thing, not just in the US, but all over the world. And that can be something to work towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're not, but like basically when like celebrities come out and you know, we have these high-ranking people who come out as being part of the LGBTQ plus community. It makes people in like people just feel less alone, which really like it makes people like happier and less depressed. Even if like they're not out themselves, they can understand. Like they can still see people succeed and be happy with themselves, even if they are LGBTQ, which is really hard to come by. Some like in a lot of these countries, such as the Middle in the Middle East or like Asia or Africa, which are like some really homophobic country uh, continents. I think that it can also kind of relate to Lebanon in the Middle East, which does allow like um, LGBTQ plus rights, and I think that needs to be something that people in countries that don't allow that to look towards and see people in there like. This person's like me, and they're allowed to do this thing, and they're having a very good time. They are living a nice life, and they just happen to be part of the community of LGBTQ plus people. And so I think that's something that the people in the Middle East can look towards. Yeah, like, when I went to Israel, it was Pride Week, um, and it's just so fascinating, like, because, you know, Israel... um, currently kind of going through a bit of a crisis with Syria and it's just so interesting how people can look past you know issues with their government or politics or you know and just be so accepting and so happy of who they are and it's just so sad and so depressing to see so many countries that can't do that. Stop uh, so we kind of touched on this in our last question but really I mean how do these discriminatory laws affect everyone in Yemen? Well, I kind of think that though we're trying to really focus on how it affects the LGBTQ plus community, it also affects everyone else in Yemen as well, like Kendall said, because what's happened is these laws like the Sharia law, the penal code and things like that have basically taught the people of Yemen that they should be discriminatory against the LGBTQ plus community. Whether it's founded in truth or not, is not the issue, but basically Yemen and many other places in the Middle East have built this entire society where there's extremists against LGBTQ plus people. And there's also everyone who isn't part of the community is 
against it because that's the law and that's what they're following. Yeah. Um, Ala Jarbin, I believe is how you pronounce his name, is the first openly gay man in Yemen. Um, he led protests against the president of Yemen as a college student, and he publicized his sexual orientation with, um, on social networks. But people responded to his publicized sexuality with hateful comments, including, go die, and I spit on you, you dog. Um, but uh, Mr. Jarbin said that, also said that to feel someone safe, he thinks he would have to move to another country because of how people responded. So um, he would have to move to another country that is accepting, like Canada or the U.S. Um, but he said it was disappointing to see so many people within his country who were once considered his neighbors to disrespect him, he mentioned in an interview with BBC News. And so, I mean, you have people who are hiding from who they really are because of what the government says and um, how people react to what the government says. Um, and I think that Yemen's discriminatory laws towards the LGBTQ plus community have almost created a terror trap in Yemen because um, people are scared to express themselves and come out. And um, all of the punishments are originated from the penal code and from Article 264 of this code, it states that all homosexual acts between men are prohibited and will be punished with 100 lashes and up to a year in prison, which just kind of gives people this fear. that I agree with Anna. And citing the same IPS News article, it says that Yemeni law is governed by the principles of the Sharia. Under this Islamic law, the punishment for sodomy, and it said Ahmed al-Hassini, a Yemeni writer and law graduate is a whipping of 100 strokes for each partner if they are unmarried, along with imprisonment for, of up to one year. If his presumed offenders are married, the punishment is stoning to death. So obviously there is a fear trap, like Anna said. And not only that, but if you're suspected to be gay, you can have extremists coming after you too before the government gets to you. And the extremists will have no issue killing you either. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, as you mentioned, Sharia law, it's not even a legal system. It's the closest a government can get to Sharia law is Islamic law. So we just, we use these ideas to justify our actions of this, our discriminatory actions. Um, yeah, and like, I'm kind of going to this fear trap. Basically, like, if there was this person who actually wrote in the government-funded magazine in Newman and published a review of a film that had, um, like, that featured uh, two gay women in there. And basically, like, this person wrote about how, like, people being gay, like, people being LGBTQ is, like, part of life. And then, so, like, the government should be more accepting, but the magazine was shut down, and then the editorial team was targeted for an official investigation, and this writer was subjected to death threats and abuse. So moving on to our next question, which would be, what has the UN done in Yemen, and what can still be done? Um, well, the UN actually has not done much for this crisis, but um, some actually hasn't done much for this crisis. Um, but some ways that we could help it is by bringing more awareness to the LGBTQ plus community in Yemen and all over the world and Middle East. Yeah, the closest the UN has actually gotten to assisting anything with this crisis is um, UN Secretary, excuse me, UN Secretary General Ban Ki Moon 
launched an appeal on the topic of world of the worldwide end of discrimination to people in the LGBTQ plus community. And he said that human rights should apply to people globally, no matter their sexual. The Human Rights Council has put forward some actions that relate to the topic of um, helping the LGBTQ rights in Yemen. But most of them that have to do with the LGBTQ plus rights are, have to do with the U.S. and more major countries than countries in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, well, the Human Rights Council um, adopted a resolution in 2016, which basically gives protection against violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. But the thing is, is that um, there are a few countries that voted against it, and Yemen is actually allies um, to the major parties that voted against it were Russia and China. And Yemen has embassies in Russia. Russia has embassies in Yemen. And then they're also like China and Yemen have trade relations and all sorts of relations. And basically, I mean, these are like allies of Yemen and they're really close, they have close ties with them and they voted against them, which kind of, and while Yemen didn't actually vote in this for like, they weren't in this committee who was voting for the resolution. Um, it still shows that, like, basically, their allies voted against it, which, I mean, shows, like, how terrible the situation is in there. Going off of what's already been said, I did also find in the same IPS News article I mentioned earlier that this criminalization of homosexuality has driven international rights groups called on the Yemeni government to end laws that treat same-sex relations as a crime. International advocacy group Human Rights Watch said it raised the issue with the Yemeni government Letta Taylor, a senior researcher at the HRW, told IPS, we have raised this issue writing directly at advocacy meetings with the Yemeni government officials, but have not received any commitment to changing the law. The UN Human Rights Committee and Amnesty International have also asked the Yemeni government to repeal laws with, which provide for or could result in prosecution and punishment of people because of their sexual orientation. However, the Yemeni government has not responded to either of these calls to action, and has basically kind of ignored them, so there hasn't been much change in Yemen. Right, the issue is like moving beyond the UN is that um, we just, we need, the UN's first goal should honestly just to make LGBTQ plus rights and LGBTQ plus community like, um, and like what makes them that community, just those ideas need to be like known more globally like, we need people to recognize that people that are in this community, are they aren't monsters, they aren't, you know, different, they aren't, you know, something evil, they're just different people that identify by something differently, but they're still humans, they're still people, they're, you know, and to abolish their rights is just, it's just awful. Yeah. It's hard because society has standardized normality, um, and... You know, I think something that just needs to be our first priority is just making, like I said, and like what Claire just said, it's just to change the ideas of society, there needs to be representation as we talked about earlier. So the fact that Yemen is deleting and erasing all these websites that show any support towards the LGBTQ plus community is unjust. And, you know, it's no wonder people don't support the LGBTQ plus community probably because they don't know what it is and probably because their only idea of people that are part of this community is that they're just evil and they're weird and they're different in a bad way and that's not true 
and the Yemeni government needs to recognize that and the UN needs to recognize that what Yemen is doing is unjust and we need to put what the UN should do is they should put a ban on the um, deleting of websites that support certain communities. Um, yeah, I was thinking, so probably the biggest issue with the LGBTQ plus community is not just the discrimination, but also basically people feel alone or that they're weird and they can't really express that because they're afraid to be different from being normal, as you said. And like, and like obviously it's not, it's not if like you're, LGBTQ has that you're not normal. It's just that like it's made so much like that that you feel like it is. And I feel like, you know, the biggest thing that we need to do before anything can really happen is to start educating people about the LGBTQ plus community and show that it's okay to be in this community and that you're not alone if you feel these feelings because, I mean, there's this whole group of people which is, and like, I know that it should be at some day that like, you don't have to identify within the community that you can just be who you are. But right now we kind of need the community to give support and to give help and like make sure that people don't feel like they're the only people who feel the same way and that they're mm-hmm. weird and just that they shouldn't feel these things because it's normal. And like, it's honest, it should be something that's normalized, but basically, I mean, before anything can happen, we need to make sure that people don't feel alone or that they, or weird for feeling things and then also you know i mean the help with like the mental health of people and help with like the support towards the lgbtq plus community yeah it, um oh i think that another solution that um could be that maybe like in the un we could find countries or the un could find countries that um would be willing to support these people and support immigrants who are fleeing from Yemen because of the violence caused by their sexuality. I agree with Anna, and I think also there's other things that we can do. And so, first of all, we can spread awareness about Yemen. Many people like don't realize the issue in Yemen. They like to focus on Iran or Saudi Arabia, which are still problems. But Yemen also has a very large issue that people don't like to recognize. And we can also support UN organizations that can that can make a change in Yemen and that have the ability to, showing them that you want that change. Mm-hmm. And you can also support organizations that aren't in the UN, like the Human Rights Watch, by like funding them and things like that, and also showing them that we want change. Because the issue is there isn't real set solution we can create. The Yemeni people will only want education about the LGBTQ plus community if they want to be educated. We can't just go in and be like, well, now you get to learn about this. This is part of your school curriculum because that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And I think that the biggest thing that we could do is work to change web filters in Yemen because that can give them the ability to learn about the LGBTQ plus community. And And we can't ensure the fact that they will, but it will be present to them. And then we'll also give people that are members of the LGBTQ plus community in Yemen a place to look around and be like, there's so many people like me. I'm not alone. And like Kendall said, they don't have to feel alone. We don't need to force it on them, but if we can present an opportunity to people to learn about this community and to um, to provide a chance to be more accepting, honestly, I think that's just the ultimate goal because we can't force anything on anybody, as Claire just said. But if we can provide it, then 
that would be a start. Well, we need to start with the web filters, obviously, but I think once it starts getting safer to actually be more openly LGBTQ+, you can, you know, I mean, like, kind of, you could definitely include it in the curriculum, which is a big thing because people don't understand anything about it. And, I mean, like, nobody wants to learn about, like, half the stuff that we learn in school, but, like, we're still forced to learn it. So, like, with the curriculum, we could always make sure that, like, people understand how to be safe and how to be healthy when you're LGB when you're in the LGBTQ plus community. And especially because I'm sure that, like, I mean, a lot of mental health issues are probably, you know, it's kind of ignored in this area because, you know, I mean, they don't really want to admit that there's something weird, like different with them, even though it's not, you know, it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, and basically, I think like a huge thing that we could use as a resource would be to kind of use the organization, the Trevor Project, which is a um, organization that basically focuses on the suicide prevention um, among LGBTQ plus people. And it like, it doesn't just provide suicide prevention, though. it also helps with like people with questions about their sexuality or gender identity and kind of, you know, make sure to like address ish, like any mental health issues that arise from being LGBTQ plus in such an oppressive society. And then also like, I mean, it's kind of also a way to not feel alone, basically. And I think that this organization would be great just to kind of spread out through Yemen and like Saudi Arabia or other these other countries that have been so terrible towards the LGBTQ community to finally let them kind of alleviate some of the oppression that they've suffered. I think that's a really good idea, and I think we should go on and act on that. And so now I feel that there's only really one more issue in Yemen, and that's the extremist groups that are also anti-LGBTQ+. Because we can change the government and, like, web filters, but you can't really stop those groups objectively because we're not going to send troops into Yemen. It's just too much, and we don't want to threaten the people. Like, it's just not something that we should really do. So I think what really the only thing we could do is as we educate the people in Yemen— and hopefully they start realizing that the LGBTQ plus community isn't a bad community, that they can start realizing that these extremist groups and these groups that are going out and killing people in this community are bad and that there's an issue. And I think that there's, I couldn't think of much that we could honestly do about the extremist groups because again, we're not sending in troops. But I feel that if we can have a society in Yemen that isn't okay with the actions of the extremist groups, then they can also be stopped. Well, you know, like in the United States, as you said earlier, there's still a ton of hate towards the LGBTQ plus community, even though the government has already changed all laws, although they don't have laws against discrimination, but that's a different topic. Um, but basically, I mean, like, you're still always going to have extremists, but as long as people can understand that they're wrong and like the majority of people understand that they're wrong and that they should be stopped at some point they will kind of die down because they can't do anything because if they do something then they're wrong in these in society's eyes rather than the people you know it's instead of like victim blaming it's kind of like they're wrong the victims are the people who were doing something wrong because they were just living who they're supposed to be you know but like I mean, basically, with education, that's basically the farthest we can go. And there's still going to be extremists, as there is in the United States or, like, I mean, any other country. There's always going to be people who are against the LGBTQ plus community. But, like, 
if we can just make it so that way majority people are in support rather than majority people are against. That's basically our biggest goal right now. Yeah, um, I agree with Kendall that there are always going to be extremist groups, but if we can make them a minority group, then the effects of their ideals will be less impactful. All right, so that's the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, and we also hope that you can continue to take action, such as we have today, towards the support of the LGBTQ plus community, and especially with the Trevor Project, as mentioned before, as this is a wonderful organization that works not only the U.S., but also internationally. And supporting other organizations within the U.N., like the U.N. Human Rights right. Council. and U.N. Women. Um, also, you can support the Human Rights Watch and the UN Human Rights Committee and Amnesty International. So, thank you for listening to our podcast today about the LGBTQ plus crisis currently in Yemen. Uh, we hope that you can support organizations that um, that work towards the advancement of LGBTQ plus rights, um, such as the Trevor Project, as mentioned, um, United Nations Human Rights Council, UN Women and also the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights and Human Rights Watch. Um, Thank you, Anna, Claire, and Sophia for talking with us today. And we hope that you can continue advocating for LGBTQ plus rights in the future. Thank you. I'm Kendall, and peace out. I'm Kendall, your host, and thanks for listening.